It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors season is over, so it's time to reflect and review what we just saw over the last six-plus months. We begin our season in review series of episodes with a look at the big-picture storylines around the Raptors. Did Vision 6'9 work out? What can be done to improve the depth, versatility of the, t- of the team next season? Plus, we've got our stat of the year, our play of the year, and an outlook towards 2022-23, all with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. That's coming up on today's episode episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1170 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, May the 3rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts on all your favorite audio apps. You can also go to YouTube and join the nearly 2,000 people who have taken the plunge to look at my mug every day. Please go ahead and support the show over there. It's very much appreciated when you take the time. Also, big thank you to Bet Online, who have brought you today's show as well. They have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. All right. Think we seem to have gotten the audio issues that have plagued the last few episodes taken care of. I have a new setup in my office. Thank the heavens that my fiance had a Mac kicking around. So hopefully this has solved all the weird issues where I sound like crap. And uh, also the issues that claimed Monday's episode of the podcast, which we're just going to try to redo and recapture the magic today, baby. Uh, we are, of course, diving into... 
the beginning of our season in review series episode. We'll do this every year, really, where we dive into player reviews. But I thought to kick things off, we could talk about the team as, as a whole and sort of the big storylines, good and bad, prevailing from this season. We are going to bring in a couple new implementations as well, including the stat of the year and the play of the year. This time, we'll take the sort of full Raptors view, but we'll go player specific as we go forward here with our season in review. But without further ado, I've given you the details of what the hell we're doing here. Let's bring in Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com, who, of course, is uh, you know very plugged in on all this stuff. We're going to talk big picture Raptors, and I don't think there's a better person to do that with. Big V, how the hell are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Busy day. Went, uh, well, recorded once with you, then went to uh, <laughs> the practice uh, facility to chat with Nick Nurse and have his end of season avail and thoughts. And now we are back. Now you're right back here where it started. It's got to be the worst time loop anyone's ever experienced. No, this will be a fun show. <laughs> I uh, I am excited to dig into it. And uh, I broke the rules on the original recording that we did with, with the stat of the day segment. Uh, that's a little tease of what's coming up in the final segment. You're not going to hear me break the rules this time because I've cleaned that up. And we'll talk about the one player specific stat, which we were specifically directed to by me not to use. We'll get to that at a different point when we talk about <laughs> a specific player on your Toronto Raptors. So with that, let's take the big scope view of this Raptors season. We'll begin with the good. What is sort of, for you, Big V, the biggest prevailing good storyline that uh, came out of this season for the Raptors? Of course, we're going to examine all sorts of good things that came out of the season, small, big, everything in between. But as far as sort of big picture stuff, is there one that's kind of standing out to you as like, okay, yeah, that was the sort of good story of this season? Yeah, I think it's that Vision 6-9 can work. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you know, that was the big question mark coming into this season, the experiment that the Raptors were going to try and run. And then you saw the way that after learning some lessons over the first 30 games or so, uh, that they were able to uh, execute the defense the way they wanted to. They were able to win the possession battle, force turnovers, get on the offensive glass, um, and win with that style. Uh, do I think it is... Uh, the only way that the Raptors should pursue winning going forward? No, I think it is a way to win. And I think you still have to be able to win if the game, uh, if you don't win the possession battle and it's more of, you know, a shootout, uh, if it's more of a, you know, a half court uh, battle, those types of things uh, still need to be addressed. And as Fred Van Vliet put it uh, this is a tool in the toolbox and you still mm -hmm. need the other tools yeah totally and i think you know to kind of take it beyond just it being a tool in the toolbox because i think you could argue that about a lot of things right like oh you play a box in one defense and can master that that's a tool as well that's not a pillar of successful basketball I do think, though, that while there are some flaws with it, to be sure, and we'll get to those, I really do think that it's kind of been proven this season that playing the Raptors style, having everyone be the same size and have some level of skill on hand, and of course the shooting is going to have to come along, that's going to be, I think, kind of the limiting factor here, as will the shot creation in the half court, which there might be some in-house solutions already kind of preparing to help take those steps to improve and, and refine things, but I do think as like a core principle, the same way that some teams play you know like a sort of motion fluid offense some people you know some teams play like a switch heavy defense whatever 
the scheme is that you would sort of sum up and give the elevator pitch of whatever team might be, I think you could very much say that the Raptors core style of play can be vision six foot nine where everyone's kind of the same size and there are so many strengths and advantages that come out of that that i do think it's viable with the understanding that there are going to be certain situations where you got to be more versatile where you have to be able to change things up and you know play a different style throw it a different look have different type players for different type matchups but as sort of a pillar i i think it's been proven that it can be successful you know they win 48 games with it and look there's probably going to be some adjustment to it from other teams right like you'll get the tape you see the full season you you kind of adjust and they're no longer taking you by surprise but it's kind of a hard thing to adjust to if you don't have the personnel on hand right like if you are a team that's sitting there like man we should try to adjust and figure out how to beat those raptors there who have all these crazy defenders who can stay in front of any one of our guards or wings whatever it might be you can't just go out and pluck six foot nine guys off the tree and add them to your team to make things more viable for you against that specific matchup there are also going to be matchups where the raptors are at a disadvantage particularly when seven foot two centers are just kind of carving out space underneath and there's not much you can do about it but i do think that you could view this team building concept as you know, a successful idea in the minds of the front office. And it's just tinkering on the margins, really, that I think where the improvement's going to come here. But I think as sort of like a core principle, the way we play basketball is four or five guys are similarly sized and we switch as much as we can. We use that length to our advantage as well and fly around like maniacs and then fill in because our defenders are so versatile and mobile. They can wear multiple hats. They can slide into different spaces and be, you know, effective in those spots. Like, I, I think it is very much proven like yeah no this was not just some crazy basement scheme that a mad scientist cooked up like this is actually a viable way to go about winning basketball games you know i'm curious i know nick nurse talked today about you know the things that needed to be added to the roster and sort of you know what the and we're recording this monday evening this will be up on tuesday morning but um you know nick nurse talked about the different things you'd like to see in terms of, hey, the, the back part of the roster has to be more sturdy. There's got to be more shooting. Um, don't know if you mentioned the addition of a big man, but that's obviously been a thing. Is there one addition that you think is kind of the most important to make here, whether it's a big man for those specific matchups, whether it's, uh, you know, just pure shooting, extra point guard play? Like, do you need more small guys interspersed? Like, if there is one addition to Vision six foot nine to kind of make it fully sing, what do you think that is? Yeah, I, I think it's for sure getting shooting on this team. Mm -hmm. um, catching and shooting uh, would be a great asset, but also, you know, when you're going up against that zone, it wouldn't hurt to have a guy mm -hmm. that that can, you know, operate uh, in those circumstances. I think you watch the Milwaukee Bucks play against the Boston Celtics and a couple guys like Pat Connaughton, uh, and Grayson Allen, uh, personalities mm -hmm. aside, uh, <laughs> in terms of that prototype, that you know those those two guys defend, those two guys uh, can really shoot the ball, and their willingness to sh uh, to shoot in terms of addressing it internally, that's where Precious has to take another step. That's where Chris Boucher, as well as as he shot the ball from the corners, has sure. to get it back from above the break. Um, Pascal Siakam uh, has to become a better three-point shooter um, within, you know, the role that he has. And so the yeah. opportunities that are going to present to him are more, uh, you know, the pull-up three off the dribble kind of thing. And can he do more of that? Uh, can Fred provide his uh, three-point shooting uh, for an entire season as opposed to up till uh, the all-star break? Can mm -hmm. 
OG Ananobi be there for more than 50 games. Uh, yeah. That uh, Those are the things that can help significantly. Scotty Barnes obviously has to improve his shooting as well. Um, so there's definitely a lot that can be improved internally. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of adding someone, for sure, I would look at someone who can knock down the open shot. Um, and if they can they can give you some minutes at the guard position, that would be great too. Yeah, I mean, I do think any shooter, like the prerequisite is going to be that they play defense, right? Like, I don't think the Raptors are going to go out and go draft like some corn-fed shooter from Nebraska who uh, <laughs> just is like a nothing on defense, but he can hit 48% or whatever. Like, they're not going to go Matt Thomas Matt, once Matt again, Matt Thomas right? isn't making a return? I don't think so, um, no. Like, it's going to, I think the defense is always going to be the prerequisite with any, you know, guys the Raptors bring in. And so that kind of limits your field of options. But I do think, like, internal development does feel like a pretty viable path for a few of these guys. Like, Scotty Barnes spoke after the season in his post game or postseason availability about how that's a thing he's really going to key in on. And I don't know, the, the way Scotty Barnes approved at literally everything over the course of the season and just continually got better gives me some hope that he can, you know, tick that up to the point where he's actually a threat that teams worry about and not the guy who we saw in game six where the Sixers were like, all right, Scotty Barnes, you want to lead the team in threes attempted? Go nuts. We're fine with that. Um, I don't think we'll see that, at least not to the same degree next year. And then Precious Achua, you know, kind of the whole, to the whole point of Vision six foot nine working, I kind of think his emergence, and I've made this point before, I'll make it again because we're talking about it, but like Precious Achua existing on this roster and doing the things that we've seen, the three-point shooting, the, you know, if he's going to start getting contested on those as well, the putting it on the deck and making a play, obviously he can do center things as well. He can be a role man. He's been a very good rim protector and deterrent at the rim. And if he can sort of complement those center-like qualities with the more sort of Vision 6-9-oriented skills and mobility and all that stuff. Like, to me, he is, like, the answer to who the hell is the center of the future? How do you make this work and more viable over the course of longer stretches of games? If your center is kind of fully part and parcel to the whole thing and is doing all the things you're asking of all of your other players while also doing the things that you definitely need from centers when they're on the floor... That, to me, is some pretty encouraging stuff. And I have some precious numbers that I want to get to in the final segment of the show to complement my team-wide number. Don't worry, Big V, I'm not going to cheat. Uh, but I, I do think Precious is like such a huge cog in making this viable because he can be your every man on defense who is you know, calling out the coverages and changing things up and altering the, and, you know, switching on to whoever you need. But if he's also giving you, you know, reliable center skills, which every solid lineup needs just with the way basketball is oriented and the way the game works, like that to me is sort of the whole thing that unlocks everything. So the fact that they found Precious this year and that he developed the way he did is such a massive, massive reason why I think we're kind of viewing Vision six foot nine as a success, even though, again, there are still some flaws to work out. Speaking of flaws, Big V, we're going to come back in just a second here and dig into some of the negative sides, bad storylines, things that need work, things that left maybe a sour taste in our mouths. It's not going to be a hugely rich category, I would think. It was a pretty damn fun season, all, all things told, but we will get into that in just one second. 
and dig into some things that can be worked on, addressed in the offseason. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline and .net is your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs. You got the MLB play or regular season going as well, and the NHL playoffs, baby. The Stanley Cup playoffs start in like an hour and a half at the time of this recording. I highly recommend you go and check out the lines over there. Put some money on a futures cup winner or something like that. Or if you're a Maple Leafs fan you're getting ready to gear up for another season of disappointment what you can do is the happiness hedge i was advocating this during the philadelphia 76ers series if you bet on the team that your team is playing to win you can't lose either you lose your team loses but you win some money or you lose some money and your team wins either way you're happy all around go and do that at bet online head to the website use their mobile device as well or or use your mobile device that is to learn more about the trends in the action betonline.net is where the game starts and today's show is also brought to you by a product I am just such a massive fan of, and I'm really happy it's in my life now. It is Athletic Greens, baby, and their killer AG1 formula. You may be asking, Sean, what is Athletic Greens? What is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and aging, literally all of the things. I am a person who uh, struggles sometimes to eat right. I do eat a lot. Don't worry about that. But sometimes I eat like a little piggy and I'm not getting all that nutrients and nutrition that I need to get myself through the day feeling all right and power myself through to avoid having to take afternoon naps when I could be doing things that are more productive. But AG1 is there to help you ensure that you have all the stuff that you need to begin your day. I like tossing it in a smoothie. It adds like a nice little flavor to the smoothie uh, in addition to just giving you all the stuff that you need. You can just put it in a glass of water though as well if that's your preference. Either way, it is the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and athletic greens is a climate neutral certified company in 2020 ag produced carbon credits uh, purchase carbon credits that support project protecting old growth rainforest that's very important for every purchase they also donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need including no kid hungry in the united states in 2020 ag donated over 1.2 million meals to kids that is an incredible thing that athletic greens is doing and you can go now and make it easy to get that daily in nutritional insurance and get yourself a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we continue on here with your first list of the day with Big V, Vivek Jacob from raptors.com. Now taking a look at some of the negative, tough sledding storylines. I don't know. It's hard to say there's negative things coming out of this season, honestly. It was a pretty great year, all told, to watch the Raptors, to take in the Raptors. Within the Raptors, I think they're all pretty happy about things. Um, but when it comes to things that maybe leave a little bit of sour taste in your mouth, leaves you wanting more going into next year, what comes to mind for you, Big V? Yeah, to your point, there's so much that went well this season. This is more of a, you know, it would have been nice to have those things too. Sure, um, sure. So, you know, it, shooting was obviously a big weakness for this team. And when you look at two guys like Utah Watanabe and Malachi Flynn, sure. uh, those are two guys you came into the season thinking theoretically, uh, you know, Malachi Flynn finished the Tampa season's uh, strong win winning rookie of the month. Uh, Utah obviously made a huge impact 
on the fan base that season and kind of became this fan favorite that everyone's looking at this prototypical three and D guy. And he talked about how he understood, uh, you know, the importance of having uh, that three point shot and being uh, that guy that you could kick it out to. And as soon as the ball gets to him, he's going to make a decision and, and it just never panned out. Uh, obviously Malachi had that brief stretch when Fred got hurt, uh, as the starting point guard and had some really nice moments, but the shooting never was quite there. And so for both those guys, I, I think it was a bit disappointing, uh, especially offensively to not get that kind of three point output that, uh, could have maybe factored into them getting more minutes. Um, sure. and then the last thing I'll say is just, uh, in terms of what could be better for next season, I think, you know, Nick nurse, uh, this playoff series, I was very surprised with, uh, how they came out defending Harden, uh, mm-hmm. in games one and two, I thought the adjustment, uh, came late and you, you played him for the MVP he was in 2018 and not the guy he is right now. Sure. Um, yeah, they were up against it with the injuries and, uh, the health situation for Gary. Uh, but that's something I, I would have liked to see sooner. Um, and then over the course of the season, you could kind of see what was coming with Fred, with his usage um, yeah. and, and all the minutes he was playing. And so that, obviously that's not not something you want to see in 2022-23. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we learned pretty obviously that Fred Van Vliet is the kind of guy you got to protect because he's a six-foot point guard and he plays a demanding style and the whole Raptors as a whole play a demanding style. And... To the point of like Malachi Flynn and Yuta Watadabe not really showing out, like, you know, every extra guy who you can go to and trust in a spot during a regular season game, whether there's injuries or not, is going to help you limit those minutes that other guys are, are taking in. And look, I, I'm fine in a lot of ways with the number of minutes guys played this season. I think going back to the point that Masai Ujiri made in the clip that you shared last week, you know, when else were we going to get these reps? Like the Raptors were not in this for a three, four round playoff run. And so I, I don't mind the idea of giving the guys extra minutes and, and really kind of riding them in the regular season. It got them to where they got, right? They were the fifth seed. And in the, in now in this sort of play in world you live in, you're going to have to prioritize winning games a little bit more if you're one of those sort of on the fringe type teams. So I don't really mind that, but I think it's pretty clear with Fred Van Vliet, like he can't withstand 38 minutes a game for a full season. And it would be unfair probably to expect him to do that the same way, um, you know, like a Pascal Siakam or a Scotty Barnes seem a little bit more, you know, acute to it because, hey, look, they're six foot eight, they're six foot nine, they're in incredibly good shape, they're amazing athletes, they're more sort of naturally talented athletes maybe than Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you know, if we're going to be a little, I guess, ungenerous to Fred, like it's just not, it's not his fault that he's six feet tall, it's just the way it is. So um, I, I think. Yeah, there's just such a burden on him, and there was such a burden at the start of the year as well with Pascal out and kind of getting into the groove of things. I wonder if maybe it was a little bit more sort of the way we saw it in the back part of the season where it was... You know, Pascal kind of running the show, Fred a little bit more off ball. By the time that had really taken hold as the true identity of the offense, Fred was already kind of on the downturn. So I'm curious to see like a full season of the different hierarchy where Pascal and Scotty maybe are the clear one too. Uh, Does that help Fred as well? But yeah, having some backup point guard play would be super helpful. And, you know, Malachi Flynn, as much as he showed a lot in those like four games after Fred got hurt and he really showed up before his own hamstring injury, unfortunately ended his effective play for the season. That really is kind of 
the only flash that I care about so far in his career. The Tampa stuff, I don't really buy anything that happened in the back part of that season. It was all kind of garbage time to me. And so I don't know how much of it was real. And for Malachi Flynn, like, they need him to hit shots so badly. They just need him to play the Fred role when he's in there, off ball, run around, scurry around, be a, jitter, be a jitterbug, hit off, off, you know, off the catch threes. If he can't do that, which he hasn't really shown a propensity for, that makes you probably have to look elsewhere for that backup point guard spot. And, you know, that's a difficult thing to go and find. Backup point guards who are awesome don't grow on trees. Not everybody has a Tyus Jones. And so it's a a tricky thing to try to figure out. But I do think they have to try to figure that out this offseason. If you're looking at, like, what to spend the mid-level exception on, I would argue right now that a reliable backup point guard, whether it's like a traditional point guard or more sort of like a ball-handling wingish type player, who can handle the ball and shoot threes like that's not an easy thing to get for nine million bucks or whatever the mle is but i think that's what you got to try to prioritize your resources into trying to get is someone who can ensure fred van vliet is uh is safe and you know protected from being ground down into dust and then to the other point you said about the defense i think that's a really interesting one here because nick nurse has been so steadfast in this defense they played the last couple seasons, right? The Tampa season stuck with it all through the year, even though he didn't have the personnel to do it. This season obviously stuck with it as well, and there were better results, and they really coalesced to do a killer defense by the end of the season, so maybe he is to be credited for that, but I do wonder if maybe there's a little bit more in terms of conservatism that they could introduce into their defense, and it will require their offense getting a little bit better in the half court so they don't have to rely so much on the possession battle gaming that they had to do all season long where turnovers were so essential to their offensive lifeblood but if they can play just a more chill defense where they're not flying around and scrambling all the time and they can just look at the roster and say huh we've got precious achua an incredible on-ball defender who can guard anybody pascal siakam has been our answer to fast guards more or less his entire career og ananobi can guard literally anyone and he's fine Gary Trent Jr., eh, maybe he's not the best on-ball guy, but he has some utility there in, if you can kind of hide him on the fifth best option on the other team. And Fred Van Vliet at the point of attack, when healthy, is also a menace. You get bring guys in off the bench like Thad Young and Chris Boucher and, you know, like... You start to really, and obviously Scotty Barnes is a very good defender as well. You're working on becoming a very good defender, had his struggles, improved as the season went along. I wonder if there's a more sort of switch heavy Celtics like scheme somewhere within this team that they don't have to go to all the time, but that they can lean on in certain moments. So they're not so predictable in the way they play defense. And it just kind of. A, gives guys a little bit of a break so they're not being completely run ragged on the defensive end. And B, kind of doesn't open you up to death by corner threes by role players so much. Like, what are your thoughts on diversifying the way they play defense as a thing that maybe they should be thinking about going into this offseason? Yeah, I think those are all uh, valid points. And it's a good question to ask. I think it's something that Nick Nurse needs to seriously look at where, you know, you've got this group that's out there on the court that's very very good at putting out fires and scrambling their way through a possession but mm-hmm. do they need to constantly be in a position where you know you're allowing <laughs> a fire in the first place right yeah um I, th- I think that's something uh that needs to be looked at uh I think the demands of the, these defensive schemes uh, are really, really tough. I think that's why over the course of the season, we've seen these stretches of great, great defense 
for games and then it's suddenly there's this game that they just completely falls apart um mm-hmm. and everything looks off and um it's like this guitar that you tune and and, and you know you just tighten it and tighten it and the string is just gonna break right yeah um and i think that's what happens and i think that's part of what happened in game six where you had these three incredible games um and then it all fell apart so i think that's something uh that needs to be looked at because the level of physical effort and mental concentration required um at some point you know the brain the body is just gonna say (laughs) i need a break Um, yeah and then they'll get back to it you know it'll disappear for a couple games and then they'll get back to it um but i think to maintain that consistency i think what you said about the celtics a bit bit more switch heavy um and a bit more autopilot uh on defense would wouldn't be a bad thing yeah i mean look the raptors won the title in 2019 because they could play all the defenses at any given time right like you're not going to ever really probably achieve that sort of level because that's one of the best defenses of the last like 20 years in the NBA. And Marcus Gasol is like a genius who is one of one. But, you know, if you can work in a little bit more in terms of unpredictability, show different looks like, oh, we can run a drop with Precious Achua at this point, and that's fine. Or we can, you know, play some hedge high stuff. We can trap when we need to against stars or whatever. Like, it keeps the other team on their heels. And you know you have your sort of menacing everyone is everywhere all at once type of thing that you can go to when you really have to as well if you think that is your best type of defense. So, um, you know, again, certainly, you know, they were a top 10 defense. They were like the sixth best defense after January 1st. There's lots to work with here. It wasn't a bad defensive season by any means, but I do wonder if just kind of making it a little bit less predictable and making it easier for new guys to figure it out might also be kind of the thing, right? Like, if you to watch Anabe to go back to him is having trouble because he's sort of a step slow in the schemes of the defense, he's a really good on ball guy. Why not just have him play on ball defense and just like keep it simple? I, you know, I could, I, I think there's arguments for and against changing things up, but, uh, you know, a little more versatility and unpredictability never hurt anybody, I would say. With that, we are going to uh, take this forward and go into the final segment of the show. We're going to go through our play of the year and our stat of the year, the stat that we think is sort of most telling or the one we're just kind of thinking about right now as it relates to the Toronto Raptors, and we'll dig into our favorite play as well. Might take a quick look at the outlook for next year, but that honestly is something we'll probably end up doing over the course of the next few months like with just like a ton of regularity. So we'll probably skip that part out in the interest of time. But we will get to our stat and play of the year in just one one sec but first i want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com we've been talking about rock auto for quite a while here on this podcast and they are wonderful you got to check them out if you've yet to do so i don't like going to the mechanic because i don't know anything about cars and i know when i walk in i'm just like a big steaming piece of meat for the people at the mechanic they're like oh this idiot we're going to run this guy dry and charge him whatever we can for these parts because i don't know any better you tell me a part costs something i say sure here's my credit card go ahead and ring me up it's just not the way it should be rockauto.com shows you what all these parts actually cost it gives you comparisons it gives you options it gives you different prices and specifications so you can choose the the parts that work for you and their website is super easy to use to the point that i can use it and i know nothing about cars but i can easily navigate the website just type in your make model year and you can find all the parts that you need for whatever it is that's going on with your car 
They got everything you need from brake parts and tail lamps to the you know aesthetic stuff like new carpets and everything in between. And you can go and explore their easy to use website today. And their prices are the exact same for uh, do-it-yourselfers and for professionals. So you're never going to be worried about paying some sort of inordinate price. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, and we round out your first listen of the day here with the new segment we're bringing in for the Season in Review series of episodes. We'll do it for the players as we get to them as well, but we are now going to dig into the stat of the year and the play of the year for your Toronto Raptors. Let's begin with the stat of the year that we have each brought to the table. I will cede the floor to you, good sir. What is your Toronto Raptors team-wide stat of the year? Yeah, so I, I was wondering, should I be going towards the identity of the team and looking at, you know, the offensive rebound rate, the deflection rate, turnover rate, whatever it might be. And I think in terms of looking to the future of this team, I think what tells me a lot is how they did against teams over 500. They finished Hell yeah, it does. 28 and 22. Um, but if you separate, you know, when they were bad from when they were good, up until December 31st, they were 5-12 and 12 against those teams. And then after that, uh, they went 23-10. and 10. And so I think uh, that is a big sign that this team uh, can be effective against the good teams in the league. That second half uh, uh, run that they went on wasn't just beating up on bad teams. They were beating very, very good teams um and being very very competitive and so uh i think that is the stat for me that for as young as this team was as inexperienced as and how much they had to learn and how far off they looked from it over the first 30 games to turn it around that quickly shows um how intelligent they are how talented they are uh, and that there's a lot more uh room for growth going forward yeah, and I wouldn't say that like winning against teams over 500 is always super predictive, right? Like, you know, the Raptors yeah. lost in the first round. It wasn't because they were so good against X teams meant they were going to advance this far in the postseason, but it's a hell of a lot better uh, than the other way it could be where if you're the Chicago Bulls and you're up against good teams and you're losing every single time and you're really just beefing up on wins over the dregs of the league, that is predictive and does usually portend bad things coming in the postseason. That was the 
what was it, the 2017-18 Raptors, where their defensive rating against top 10 offenses was like 25th in the league. And it kind of was like, well, they're a really good team overall. They're still like a top 10 defense. Like, does it really matter all that much? If you stink against good teams, that's going to be pretty predictive, I think, of, you know, bad things to come. And so the Raptors did not stink against really good teams. There's a lot of meat left on the bone, frankly, considering they lost a lot of games that they probably should have won against not very good teams. And also the Dwayne Casey Detroit Pistons, which are more apparition ghostly creatures than they are actual basketball teams at this point. (laughs) But, you know, that the point stands that there was a lot of meat left on the bone against those bad teams. And I think if you're choosing... Uh, you lose some games that you probably should win against bad teams or you win a lot of games that you probably shouldn't have won against good teams. I'm taking winning a lot of games against good teams and you know being happy and fine with those losses against teams that don't matter so much for sure. That's a great one. Uh, my stat of the year, and this one is more of a sort of like, I don't, it's an incomplete. I don't really know what to make of it. It's just one I'm going to be thinking about all summer long and what it means for what the team's going to look like next year. But it is 0.5, which is the net rating of the Toronto Raptors' most used lineup, Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Trenton Barnes, 345 minutes played, a 107.4 offensive rating, a 106.8 defensive rating, which is very good, uh, and a 0.5 net rating overall as their most used lineup. I don't know what to make of this, man. <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of noise in this sample because you had guys cycling in and out of the lineup, you catching guys that just returning to the lineup, shaking off rust and then they would kind of get some groove and then someone else would be out of the lineup they only played 21 games total together i think there was a stretch of maybe like 13 or 14 in a row that they played in january and the rest were just kind of interspersed throughout the season so i don't actually know how good that staple lineup for the raptors is in theory it's their five best players and so you would think that that means it's going to be their best lineup um, I've, maybe you could quibble if Precious Achua or Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a better player by next season. That's a fun one. We'll probably talk about that at some point in the future here. But I think that's really fascinating that that lineup, just with all of the ingredients that seem to fit together, never quite got on a roll and never really padded those stats. They were at one point way below in, in the negatives and kind of padded it near the end of the year. But um, I, I guess where are you at with the Raptors' small starting five? Does the 0.5 over that big a sample, 345 minutes, which isn't enormous by any means, but is a sample to go on, like, does that tell you anything about what the team could look like next season? Does it mean they got to ditch that starting five and start fresh and, you know, moved Gary Trent Jr. to the bench or whatever? Like, we talked about breaking that starting five up all season when it was intact because it didn't have a center. Uh, that was never really my big concern, but... Maybe the numbers suggest something's up there. I still think I'm kind of in wait-and-see mode, and I would like to see more of it next year to see if we can get a more representative sample. But where are you at with the Raptors starting five and that plus 0.5 net rating? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a young core, so I'm open to seeing more of it in the, in the next season and seeing mm-hmm. what can be worked out and what can't. I don't, you know, it's the, it's the most talented five, but I don't think it's the best fit. Uh, and I think that you know when you get precious in there there's a bit more role alignment uh in terms of the clarity that you need um Mm -hmm. and so i think that's what makes a bit of a difference when those five are together so uh yeah in terms of fit i I wouldn't put it anywhere near the top but uh yeah it's certainly the most talented five and so that should be enough reason to get it out there uh next season and see what can be worked out and what can't and then go from there. 
Yeah, and, and to that point, the third and fourth most used lineups for the Raptors, the third one is Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Gary Tran Jr., Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes. Uh, so the starters with uh, Precious in place of Pascal Siakam, largely from the early part of the season, of course. Uh, that lineup, uh, 158 minutes, 109 offensive rating, 100.6 defensive, plus 8.4. And then the same lineup with Siakam in place of OG, so Precious in place of OG and the starters, 152 minutes played, 13.4 net rating, 114.7 offensive, 101.3 defensive. Uh, maybe suggesting that having that role definition and having Siakam kind of stand in for one of those wings maybe is not the worst thing in the world. I tend to think Gary Trent Jr. is the guy that you move to the bench, considering all of the gunner six-man energy that just kind of emanates from him at all times. Um, but it's certainly going to be a question I think the Raptors have to confront. And I would go with Precious Achua as my starting center on day one next season. But I also want to see more of that small ball lineup, which I would assume is going to close games and which contributed to some really good numbers in the clutch for this team as well. My other sort of backup number here was the number of clutch minutes the Raptors played and the net rating they had in them, where they were like the sixth best net rating team in the clutch over the third most clutch minutes. Um, and, and, you know, it, that in large part was that small ball lineup. So it's all very interesting and kind of an incomplete, I would say, when you're trying to grade that lineup for now. Let's wrap it here with our play of the year, a large, large category. We'll probably miss stuff that's really good, but let's go with you, Big V. What is your play of the year from the Toronto Raptors? Big question. Yeah, there were a bunch of plays to consider, but ultimately I went with uh, Pascal Siakam's double block on Jimmy Butler in the Ooh. triple overtime classic <laughs> against the Miami Heat in Miami. Um, and and just the swag of it, too, where he's telling Jimmy, you know, get that shit out of here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought that moment, uh, you know, we see how – far pascal's offense has come along um from where he was and to see the defense at the level it's at is, is remarkable he's an incredible special player um and to do that to jimmy who he should uh beat out for the all nba uh third team i i think was really cool and that, that game itself w was awesome so uh yeah give me that double block on jimmy uh at the basket where i mean after he got the first one, he was out of the play. Yeah. And then he comes back in to get the second one. And it's like, wow. <laughs> Ridiculous. A wonderful, brilliant defensive season from Pascal Siakam, who I would argue, and this might be wrong. I don't know. Uh, you can yell at me if you want. But if there's a <laughs> Raptor who is deserving of all defense, it's not going to be Pascal because the forward front court category is insanely loaded. But I would say Pascal was the best defender on the Raptors this season, and the most important defender probably is the better way to frame that. Fred was amazing, and he might actually make all defense, and it'll be totally deserved because he's fantastic and maybe should have made it before. But uh, like the way Pascal just kind of anchored everything, he's so in tune with how the defense works. I think that's an awesome pick for uh, just to sort of tell the story of the season. Also, that came during probably the most fun stretch of the year where they went 7-1 and one against the, where they played the Heat, the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Hornets twice in like an eight-game stretch, and they went 7-1. Yeah. and one. That was a very, very fun stretch, and I think probably the most sort of eye-opening part of the season where it was like, oh, they're doing this against good teams now. Okay, let's buckle up because the back part of the season is going to rock. Um, and specifically, that stretch yeah. was uh, five games in seven nights. Yeah. And they yeah. went fi uh, perfect 5-0, and oh, right? Crazy. Um, 
crazy. Uh, so yeah, that was incredible. I, I will quickly shout out. Um, this was in my considerations, uh, honorable mm-hmm. mention. Uh, Precious Achua, the pull up uh, three in transition uh, <laughs> over over James Harden um, against Philly. Yeah, that that was just a ridiculous play. Um, and again, another thing, another play that kind of tells. Uh, the story of the season in terms of where he was when uh, w- when the season started to where he finished. That was the most fun play for me to find the highlight of and then look at the quote tweets because it was just <laughs> a bunch of Heat fans being like, oh my God, this guy's this now? What happened here? This uh, <laughs> is a good time. My play of the year, and blame me and accuse me of recency bias all you want, but it is in line with the thing I was talking about all season long. And of course, my favorite play of the year is going to be a no-look pass from Scotty Barnes, which I have advocated for him to do at all times, high stakes, low stakes, crunch time, whatever it is, throw all the no-look passes you damn well please, Scotty Barnes. It's the coolest thing you can do, and maybe some of the Raptors aren't quite ready for it at times, and he maybe throws passes that they don't even see are coming and whatever. I don't care. No-look passes rock. And I'm going with the section of the game in Game 5 against the Sixers, which I would argue is the best encapsulation of what Vision 6'9 can accomplish that we saw all season long. It was pretty much a flawless defensive performance, and their offense worked pretty damn well too. And I think the stretch where Scotty Barnes responding to a bit of a push from the Sixers, a couple of makes from Tyrese Maxey, who was kind of the momentum bellwether for the Sixers in that series— He comes down, throws a a lob to Thad Young on the run. That gets it going. Then the next time down, throws the no-look pass in the pick-and-roll to uh, Precious Achua. And uh, just two back-to-back lobs, great. One of them a no-look, awesome, to stuff a run from the Sixers in the best game the team played all season. I'll take that and, you know, take any accusations of being, you know, totally poisoned by recency bias there if you want. I'll also go all the way back to the first part of the season if you want, and the coast-to-coast dunk against the Magic from Scotty Barnes would be sort of my uh, secondary option here as well. Scotty did a lot of really damn cool things this season, and uh, it's a pretty rich category just picking Scotty Barnes plays. We'll probably have to do that, or we will have to do that when we have Scotty Barnes, uh, the player review, on tap. So uh, with that, though... We'll bring that's an awesome the, pick. Thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, validating my selection and uh, for the second time today, actually. So, uh, <laughs> God, that doomed recording. No one's ever going to hear it, although I think we did a pretty good job of replicating it. With that, we're going to bring today's episode to an end. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, thanks for bearing with the audio issues that I hope are now dead for good knock on wood all over the place but uh hopefully we got that figured out thanks for your patience with all of that and uh sorry there was no episode on monday but we're back at it daily tuesday all through the rest of the week with player reviews uh we're gonna do uh, precious achua at one point this week with samson folk that's gonna be a ton of fun so keep an eye out for that uh samson was very eager when i said pick a player he's like oh obviously precious that should be an absolute blast two huge precious heads going at it talking about Achua at some point this week. Uh, we got other player reviews. Also, Masai Ujiri speaks tomorrow, so we'll probably have some thoughts on that at some point this week as well. Uh, Vivek, though, before we get out of here, anything you want to promote? Usual stuff, Raptors.com, CBC Sports. Um, I'll probably do some uh, more work for Complex now with the offseason here. I can maybe shift some attention over to the Blue Jays. We will see. Hell yeah. Uh, other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. 
Awesome, man. Uh, and yeah, with that, thank you for making us your first listen of the day and tuning in. And now go make your second listen of the day, either Locked On Maple Leafs or Locked On Blue Jays. Both shows doing awesome work uh, covering two extremely fun teams. The Leafs get their playoffs going on Monday. By the time you hear this, they will already have played game one against Tampa and either set us up for uh, a huge collapse or uh, a huge comeback that ultimately winds up in a game seven loss. I'm talking myself into all sorts of doom and peril, even though I actually think the Leafs might actually do it this year. But I don't want to be too optimistic on Maine. Uh, also, Lockdown Blue Jays covering the kick-ass Toronto Blue Jays, George Springer, all of the joy that comes with them, uh, with Ben Shulman and Matt Bonaparte hosting that show. Ben Shulman, by the way, son of Dan, uh, who calls the games over on Sportsnet. So you're going to want to get in on that and check out Locked on Blue Jays, uh, both wonderful broadcasters, Ben and Matt. Syracuse boys, they're the, like, they're the professionals, man. So go check that show out. Uh, with that... We'll round out the show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.